This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest. Episode 7. Another Botched Exorcism. I drew the line at stripping naked. Other than that, the scene is pretty much the same as every other. Aside from some minor details. One, I'm not a teenage girl. I'm a 32-year-old priest. I'm also not a recovering addict, either. Just a man who was released from prison after 8 years. And did I mention that I'm actually possessed? I don't know if I could do this. I instinctively try to sit up, but I can't. Diego has used a system of belts and ropes to tie me spread eagle to my bed. See? There's a reason why I didn't want to be naked. I settle for lowering my eyes instead. Diego looks like a little kid going trick-or-treating as a Mexican Harry Potter. He's wearing my gown, which is dangling in puddles at his feet. Even my cross looks too big for his hands. The fact that he appears terrified only adds to this illusion that he's just a kid playing dress-up. My Bible is open to Mark 16 and lying on a chair in front of him. There's also the, Nope, not that. I'm not doing that either. Diego looks around, his eyes wide. Not what? I lift my chin to the vial sitting next to the Bible. Piss. You're not splashing me with my own piss, Diego. I have limits. Diego opens his mouth to say something, and I see a hint of a gleam in his eyes. Don't say it. Okay, okay, no holy water. He hesitates, but the man seems less trepidatious now. The truth is, I've never come right out and told Diego that I don't believe in God. I mean, he's not stupid, and my attitude is agnostic on the subject at best. Conversely, I've never asked him if he believes. But watching my friend massage the cross around his neck is testament enough. What if... What if something goes wrong? Yes, Father Colbannon. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Fuck off. Diego's getting used to my schizophrenia, and he barely raises an eyebrow at the curse. I shake my head. What could possibly go wrong? Prior to the most recent exorcism, I didn't think much could go wrong. Once, during an exorcism of a particularly strung-out teen, they went into cardiac arrest. Diego acted quickly, giving her CPR and Narcan, and she was brought back from the brink. I'm kind of a wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am type of exorcist, but Diego occasionally checks up on some of her past clients. According to him, the OD girl changed her life around. Being clinically dead for about a minute does that to a person. The truth is, I don't give a fuck about what could go wrong. I just want Mirzoth out of my head. Please, just get the fuck out of my head. It's a scary enough place without you being here. Mirzoth is silent now, and I'm not sure how to interpret this. Is he scared? Excited? Fucking horny? Who knows? Just get started, Diego. Please. Something in my voice anchors Diego, and he nods. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
He who believeth shall suck my demon cock. He who believeth shall licketh my hairy taint. <laughs> I close my eyes, trying to block out the voice inside my head, as Diego continues to read from Mark 16. I don't feel any different. And if Murzoth's laughter is any indication, he's feeling a-okay too. Come on, come on. Why are you so desperate to get rid of me, Father Bannon? We were just starting to have some fun. I don't know if the vision that arises in my mind is inspired by the demon's comment, or if somehow he conjured it. But it's vile enough that my stomach flips. I'm back in the alley, looking down at pale skin. Then I dive right in. Ripping, tearing, eviscerating. This is bad enough, but it doesn't stop there. Soon, I'm holding a still quivering heart in my hands. Blood drips from between my fingers, and I slowly bring the heart to my mouth. I told you we were just starting to have some fun. I grit my teeth and feel my entire body start to tremble. Father? Are you okay? Did I stop? Father? Keep going. Keep fucking going. Something is happening now. Even Murzoth knows it. There's a groan, but I'm having a hard time discerning what's happening inside my head as opposed to outside, let alone whether it's me or Murzoth who's responsible for the terrible croak. My whole world is shaking now, and I hear a strange wind circling all around me. And they shall recover. And they shall recover. Not too many people fuck with me while in prison. But for some reason, there was this one guy, a convicted bank robber who went by the name Frank Richards, who had a hard-on for me as well as a handful of other inmates. I stayed the fuck out of his way and eventually picked on someone else, who he thought was an easier target. That, as it turns out, was a very bad idea. During one lunch hour, Frank came up to this other convict to try to steal something from his tray. The other convict didn't hesitate. Afterwards, I found out it was one of those classic bank robber versus second degree murder situations. The man drove a metal skewer into Frank's ear. To everyone's surprise, Frank didn't drop immediately. Instead, his body seized. It was as if someone had touched a live wire to his chest and Frank went impossibly rigid. And that's exactly what happens to me now. And they shall recover. Every muscle in my body contracts at the exact same time. My eyelids are so retracted that I'm worried my eyes might pop out of my head. No, no, Father Bannon, no! No laughter from the demon now. Just pain. And they shall recover. There's a horrifying tearing sound, and then I see it. Or him, or her. Probably just it. Murzoth. He's fucking huge. I don't know the physics of possession, but Murzov seems far too big to fit inside my body. The demon is slowly separating from my head, and he's partially translucent. I can still see Diego's wavering form through him. My friend's lips are moving, but right now all I can hear is Murzov's scream. The demon has massive horns, and his skin is rumpled and hairless. You'd think that his mouth would be the most terrifying thing about him. What with his forked tongue and dozens of pointed teeth coated in thick saliva, but you'd be wrong. It's Murzoth's eyes, or more precisely, the lack thereof. In the hollow pits where there should have been eyeballs, there was only a swirling red. 
rivers of deep crimson, streams of maroon, and dark red whirlpools. I can't... I can't look away. Why did I get stuck being possessed with the fucking final boss from Resident Evil? Why couldn't I be possessed by a cute furry gremlin? The swirls are hypnotic, and I feel my body being sucked into those pits even as Mirza's translucent form further separates from my own. No! But it's too late. What if... What if something goes wrong? To be fair, with my luck, I was pretty certain something would go wrong. If I had to pick, however, I would have gone with some sort of uncontrollable bodily function. I already vomited. Check. But I would have put my money on me shitting my pants. But being literally transported to hell? Nope. I wouldn't have guessed that at all. It's hot. Unbearably hot. I'm not sure where all the heat is coming from, as I don't see any fires. The sky is tinted red. Everything is tinted red. It's like I'm permanently seeing through Mirzoth's eyes, like when I had relived him eating the man's heart. Slow-moving rivers of what might be, probably is, blood, slough by my ankles. I step forward, just to make sure that my feet aren't stuck. Somehow, the ground is still hard, despite the endless liquid that seemed to flow to a central point. A tower. A massive black spire that extends so high into the air that its peak is lost in the reddish sky. In front of the tower is a symbol that I recognize, although at first I'm not quite sure from where. My initial instinct is that it's a giant number three in Roman numerals, but when I squint, I notice that this isn't right. It's a pitchfork. The reason why I thought it was a three is because of the bodies. They were impaled on the spikes, but their weight, I count at least ten of them, but there were probably more, caused them to sink to the lowest point, the ewes at the bottom of each of the trident spikes. The sound is like nothing I've ever heard. A bird, a dinosaur, something. Well, I was going to say something possessed, but that's too meta for this story. My eyes whip in the direction of the sound, and what I see makes every hair, even the tiny ones on the bottom of my neatly trimmed sack, stand on end. Mirzoth is fucking huge. This thing, it's the size of a house. It has horns like Mirzoth, long curled like a mountain goat, but that's where the similarities end. And unlike my recent mental companion, there is no doubt that this beast is a woman. Massive, sagging breasts. Their skin, a deep green with nipples erect and black, hang from its chest. Its face is flat, snoutless, with ragged holes for a nose. Whereas Mirzoth has those red eyes, those hypnotic eyes, this thing has nothing. Just black pits in its enormous head. Its stomach is horribly distended, sagging over two thin and bony legs. I cover my ears, but this barely mutes the sound. Thankfully, the scream is short, but when it dies, I hear a resounding ripping sound. You have to understand, I'm standing on some sort of small hill, with rivers of blood lapping at my ankles. It's hard to judge distance in hell, apparently, what with depth perception being skewed by the constant red filter, and the lack of any sort of horizon. But if I had to guess, the spire with the trident out front, that's about three miles away. Off to the right, in a clearing, 
surrounded mostly by granite boulders, is this beast. The cutie is approximately a half a mile from where I stand. Yet this sound? It's like she's shouting directly into my ear. The tearing is followed by a waterfall splash. From beneath the bulging stomach, a thick black and red liquid splashes to the dirt ground. That's when I realize what's happening. The fucking thing is giving birth. A hand appears from between those legs, and I want nothing more than to look away. But it's like a car crash. You... you can't. One clawed hand emerges, then another, then... And they shall recover! Startled by Diego's voice, which couldn't be more out of place in hell, I finally tear my eyes away from the beauty of demon birth. The sky has changed. It's still tinged red, but I can see through it. It takes me a moment to catch my bearings, but when I do, I recognize the scene. It's my apartment. I can see myself on the bed, my back still arched, my muscles taut, and I can see Diego. He's reading from the good book, the cross in his hand twitching wildly. And then there's Murzov. <laughs> He's almost completely separated from me now. The only things that are still spectrally attached are his ankles and feet. And he's reaching for Diego. For my friend's head. But my partner seems oblivious. It's as if he can't see Mirzoth. And my first thought is that the demon is going to crush Diego's skull. But as I concentrate on my own world, I realize this couldn't be further from the truth. Fuck you, Father Bannon! Mirzoth isn't trying to kill Diego. He's trying to possess him. No! No! This has been Bad Priest, Episode 7, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash badpriestpodcast.